Welcome to Chapters of Motherhood. This is a weekly podcast about this hashtag mom life that is motherhood with all the struggles, chaos, and true blessings that come with the title mom. I am your host, Veronica. At 17 years old, I became a mom for the first time. And at 41, I had a water birth for my fifth baby. The goal of this podcast is to share with you my motherhood experience and hopefully help you realize that you are not alone in your own mom life journey. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, working mom, or a single mom, from potty training struggles, bedtime snuggles, and everything in between, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I share your frustrations and your joys. Every week is a different chapter of motherhood. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Chapters of Motherhood. I am your host, Veronica, and today we're joined by Retha Nicole. She is a mom of three boys, and she is a coach, a speaker, and she has come up with something called Finding Your Margin uh, Sunday Planning. Welcome, Retha. Hello. How are you today? Oh, good, good. We're traveling, and like I said, I got to apologize for my mic, but this works out just fine. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So you have three boys. Tell me about your motherhood story. Three boys. Um, my boys are, this is the year of big birthdays in this house. Um, we have, now we have an 18 year old, a 16 year old, and in December we'll have a 10 year old. So it is the year of big birthdays for these guys in here. Right. Oh my gosh. I can just imagine (laughs) teenagers and a preteen who's trying to keep up. Right. I know exactly. You got it. You got it. Um, So my story of motherhood is um, interesting because I was like, I don't know, I'm 45. I don't care about telling my age. I know people do, but I don't. So I'm 45. So I grew up in the season where I just, everybody wanted to get married, right? You got married out of high school. And I, I say that because things have changed now. Like this generation doesn't even want to have kids. So it looks so different. But I did. I wanted to get married so bad. And so I did to my oldest, to um, their dad. And um, I realize now that maybe this generation has it right. Like, don't rush to get married. Don't get married so fast. It doesn't always work out. You do the wrong thing. And so we did. We got a divorce when um, the big boys were three and five. And um, that is what birthed Sunday planning, which we'll talk about. But that's where it started. Um, I didn't call it Sunday planning then. It was just something that a devastated divorce mom did to find margin and find a way to get herself out of bed. Because when you dream of a thing and then it dies, you really have to find a way to like bring yourself back to life. I want to stop and say this because it's a podcast. I bet they're like, whoa, way to just jump right in there, Aretha. Welcome, <laughs> people. Welcome. Um, so I, I did. I, I, that was the beginning of motherhood for me. And it looks wildly different than it does now. Um, teenagers are fun and um, fierce and they keep you on your toes um and then the little guy bringing up the rear he's our joy he is like joy in a bottle for everyone in this family and he keeps us honest and he keeps us 
um, pointing to our faith all the time. Like, what would Jesus do? So it's pretty awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So then um, without bringing up too much of the past, how is it different um, having the two boys that they were only three and five um, and trying to plan out with a partner you're going through a divorce? I, I've been through two divorces, so I know how difficult they can be. And sometimes the other parent is just not involved. Hopefully your, your partner was or father of the children were involved. No. Um, not really? No. Oh, okay. So, so then how did that transition, like how was that transitioned into what you're doing now? So when, when we got a divorce, I just was again, devastated. Cause all I wanted to do was be married. Right. That's all I wanted was little family, white picket fence dog. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was about redefining what life can look like now. Like, right. I think giving, I had to really, really practice to give myself grace and know that it wasn't all my fault and know that, um, I had to forgive both me and him and, and forgiving him in his absence was really hard because it was like, why do I forgive him? He's not even here or, or like, he's barely showing up. And, but I knew that I had to do that for the sake of the kids. One of the things that I practice and I always tell women to do, despite how you really feel, is just always be front facing with love to the um, ex in front of the kids. Promote that relationship over and over, even if it you know almost kills you. Um, promote it for their sake, not yours, because now, Okay, they are 18 and 16 and their father is way more committed in their life and has been for the last five years. And, and so it's like he took a 10 year hiatus, but I didn't, um, because I promoted it, then they felt comfortable to say their feelings about it. And they felt comfortable to share when they were sad. And then when he came back in their life and um, they felt comfortable being happy about it and not being cautious and nervous. And so I think that's great, but I'll tell that's you that in the interim. So in the middle of that, um, I also got remarried and, um, and then he, um, he passed oh, and I was married for a year before oh, he um, got really sick and went into a coma. And then I took care of him in that state for a year and nine months. And I was five months pregnant. So I think one of the things that I really try to help women understand is that this is the only life we get. And we're only responsible for ourselves. Like, I know that we believe that God gave us these kids and we're responsible for them, but they are truly his. And so he wants us to be responsible for us so that we can show them how to be better, the kids, right? So that they can see how to live a full life, a well-rounded life and, and, and all of those things. And the best thing you can do is to love yourself well. And so I really try to do that and show the boys that and, um, in, in turn, ask them all the time, how did you love yourself well this week? And making sure that you're doing that because 
this is it. You don't get another shot at this. This is an address rehearsal for something else. Like an inventory at the end of the night with the kids and you, and you ask them how, how was your day? I'm, I, I think I missed how that, how that happened. Just the asking them about how they love themselves. Right. Like, yeah, is that like I a practice it, that you do every night or is that? I just do it midweek. Okay. So schedules can get really busy, but as a part of Sunday planning, again, we'll talk about it, but as a part of Sunday planning, I look at the schedule on Sunday and see how many days this week we'll be able to eat together. Um, and then usually that's sometimes during non-sports times, it's a lot, but when sports are in, it's probably once or twice. So because I know I'm going to get it at a minimum of two times, then two times that week, I know at dinner, I can say, hey, how did you love yourself well today, this week so far, depending on what day it is, right? Um, if it's on a Thursday, then I can say so far this week, have you done that? Um, and then what I used to do every morning was remind them to be a friend to the friendless. Um, and I used to do that a lot. And I, it made me think of it um, this week because um, I shared before we got on that I have COVID. And so I haven't been able to take my little guy to camp, but this morning I FaceTimed him before one of the brothers took him. And I said, all right, well, I want you to have a good day and have so much fun. And he said, and be a friend to the friendless. And I thought, good job. Yeah, that's it, right? Because that's what we need. Yeah. And women, I think, need it more than anything. Community is a huge, huge part of who I am. I want um, inclusion more than anything ever because we spend so much time feeling so alone. And it's usually because we think that no one, no one could possibly you know, be going through what I'm going through. No one could possibly have teenagers that are this ungrateful, but live such a great life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I really try to, that's my way of reminding myself is by telling them, because then I have to look and go, did I do that? That's something very powerful that you say, because a lot of the women, we know that we need that community and that outreach, but I have a soft spot for boys because we forget about the boys. Everybody wants to focus on the girls and on the mom, but we forget about, you know, the boys and the dads, you know, and it's something very powerful that you're doing with your boys and just, and just asking them, how did you love yourself today? You know, be a friend to the friendless. And it's, it's so important to nurture the nurturing side of a boy, right? Yeah. And, and maintaining that masculinity because it's, you know, it's, it's not always all toxic. It is, it's good masculinity to have. Otherwise women would not be attracted to masculine men, right? Exactly. Um, but there needs to be a balance, right? So I think what, what you just said with your boys is something so powerful that you're doing. And um, going back with your ex, that you really nurtured that, what, what was it? It wasn't even a real, it wasn't a relationship. It was a philosophy, right? You were nurturing that philosophy of, you know, this is your dad and we're going to get along amicably. And then a miracle happens 10 years later, he reappears and says, okay, I, now I'm in their life. Right. Yeah. I think, and I think I, here's the thing about that is I think if you, 
if you don't model that, if you don't nurture that, then when, when and if they do come back, it's easier to allow that because your heart isn't hardened for all the times that you've been gone. Mm -hmm. And you also model how to have comfortable disappointment. That's such an oxymoron, I know, mm -hmm. but it is because I, I don't ever, they, my kids would probably hate that I'm telling you this, but I don't ever tell them like where we're going on vacation, when we're leaving, any of that. And that all started out of a bad thing because of divorce, because I never want you to be disappointed with the fact that he's not coming. So when I say comfortable disappointment, I mean, just in the general family setup that you thought you would have, but you didn't. And that's okay, because now I have this thing with my mom and we built this life, right? But I didn't, I still don't tell them any of that because I never wanted them to be disappointed in people. I wanted them to learn on their own that life just happens mm -hmm. and you can't control it. And that cha plans change. I think a lot of times we aren't good with change because we have this unwritten expectation of how things should happen. And if it doesn't happen our way, then something must be wrong. And that's not always true. I mean, it's just like plans change. My teenager just said the other day, he was like, I think I'm good with change. And I was like, I don't think you are. He was <laughs> like, mom, I was like, I don't think you are. I mean, you just got mad the other day because we couldn't go to the movies at the time that you wanted to go to. And he was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm a work in progress. I was like, yeah, that's better. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we just got to be more flexible and there's a balance to that, right? You don't want to be a doormat, but you also don't want to be so rigid. So I, I, I don't know. I think that being, being okay with disappointment, being okay with things changing, it makes you a more well-rounded human because it's coming. Yeah. Bible says it, it's coming. Yeah, I mean, disappointment's gonna happen in life. Um, it's just so hurtful when it happens with your parent, right? Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, you're right. It's it's as soon as you start teaching them, you know, that comfortable disappointment where it's it's not so hurtful because in my experience, um, yeah, that's what would happen to my kids. You know, I would tell them, yeah, your kids, are, your dad's gonna come pick you up for the weekend. And yeah, we're all excited. And they would start packing and they would sit out there and they would wait for three hours. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, you know what, I don't think he's coming. So get inside, let's get ready for bed. And it was just, it was just heartbreaking, right? Yeah. I never learned not to tell them because I also was getting excited, like, oh, yes, your dad's going to come for you guys. And I think it was more me that I didn't realize that I was setting them up for just, well, it wasn't so much that I was setting them up for disappointment, but I was allowing all of us to be set up for disappointment because in the back of my mind, I knew he's, he's not going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't bother asking him for extra money. Don't bother asking him we to know. do you favors. Like it's just not going to happen. And now that they're adults in, in my situation, now that they're adults, he's a little bit more responsive, but not as much as I am, which is, you know, whatever it's expected. This is the way it was, but I wish I would have known that back then, like comfortable disappointment. Okay. Let's just not tell them until we know a hundred percent sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I want to say something about something else you said um, too. Is you said that we the boys are often forgotten, and I think you're so right about that. Like, I went to college, and boys could not cook; they could barely wash their clothes, right? And so, I always wanted a girl. Everybody knows that. That's no surprise. I I I'm such good friends with my mother, so. I know that boys leave their moms, right? And so you have to pray for great daughter-in-laws. But um, so that's why I wanted a girl, but I have three boys and I'm such a boy mom. Like, I don't know how to do hair. I don't know fashion. I, I don't know those things. So God knew what he was doing. But I did think, oh, if I have boys, they are going to learn how to have a heart. They are gonna learn how to uh, do domestic things. Um, because they are humans on this earth too, and they should, right? I, I we just had a um, birthday cookout for my husband, and uh, the moms were talking, and and one of the moms said, "Rita makes her boys do every single thing. Like they know how to cook, they know how to clean." And I said, "Yeah, because they're humans. Like we've got to stop treating them different, but expecting them to know, like." at some point somebody's got to stop and and then I said and then we've also got to stop wanting them to be great husbands and not be lazy bums but then you've raised them to be lazy I'm not cleaning your room what right. I'm not waking you up I'm not dressing you I like that's not mean I'm not a hard mom I love you so I want you to love yourself well and other people my I make it a point when they begin to drive, like I give them certain things that they should do off of my plate on their birthday. That's just like a little thing I do. So at six, you start waking yourself up because you're six, you can do it. And when you turn 16, you drive. And so on Sunday, you fill my car up. Well, I, I'm not doing that because I'm mean and I'm not doing that because I'm lazy. I'm doing that because you're going to have a wife and she's going to love that on Sundays you fill her car up. That's like a great thing. So I look at moms and I go do things for your, if you don't do it for the sake of him just being a human, then think about his wife. Good God, help her. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> think of what you would want her to do. You would want when she got sick that the house wouldn't fall apart because she know he knows how to make breakfast and lunch and dinner he knows how to wash clothes without turning everything pink or shrinking it right, right. so I, I just thought about that when you said nurture the boys because I think that there should be like a boy mom revolution on that like help us out yeah, yeah, I think so too. And you're right, because you, you need to teach them just how to do things just to help themselves. Because what if, you know, you're just not around? Like, what if tomorrow you wake up and mom's not there anymore? So you need to help yourself. You need to know how to um, not just nurture yourself, but nurture other people. Because then if you're constantly being served, serve, serve, you know, and you're receiving and you're going out and you're working, you're doing all the things that manly men are supposed to do. Well, what happens when, like you said, your wife is sick or the kids need um, special attention or, you know, you can't, your wife can't make the cooking or do the cooking or you can't order out, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it should be, like you said, 
they're a human being. They should know how to help themselves and help others. Yeah, I think so. Can I go back to um, your late husband? Um, so you were married for a year and he had a coma. What happened after the coma? Uh, he never came out of it. So uh, we got married. Uh, I'll give you the brief one, brief story about it. Um, but we met on eHarmony and dated for a year. And then we got married and we were married for a year and two months. And um, I was five months pregnant. And at the age of 33, he stopped breathing and went into a coma. And I took care of him in the hospital that way from September 27th, 2012 to December the 5th. And then we, um, I opted for home health instead of rehab because I already had two boys and I was pregnant and I had already done the hospital juggle for all those months. It was very difficult. And so even though everybody was like, yeah, home health is going to be so difficult. I just knew that I couldn't, I could only do what I could do. And so I, um, we came home December 5th with um, a lot of machines and home health and all of that. And then I went into labor that night, had my son December 6th. Um, that's my little guy. And um, he'll be 10 this year and on December 6th. And, um, and then I took care of him in that state for a year and nine months. And then he passed and, um, and that was a transformative year, nine months for me. It was very transforming. Um, that point of my life was when um, everything changed for me. I, um, just realized everything that I stand for now. Like when I say that this is the only life you get, this isn't a dress rehearsal. It's because, um, how fleeting life is and how we think we know and, and we don't. Um, when I say that you should love yourself well, and I try to teach that to my kids and, model that in the women that I coach and the platform that I stand on for women is to create the life that they love. That's one for them to do life with people who don't look like them. That's two. I think that those things grow you and, and um, help you to be a different person. And those are all the things that um, God was showing me in that year and nine months of being in that traumatic um, situation. Right. Yeah, I can only imagine how difficult it must have been to have a newborn and a husband and you want to share all that, all that time. And on a soul level, I'm sure everybody was felt right on a soul level. I'm sure he felt the baby. He felt you, you felt each other. But once that, once he passed, it seemed, it seemed like it was such a gift, right? To still mm -hmm. be able to enjoy that newborn stage with your husband being home? It's the gift that haven't been open yet. Mm -hmm. Here's what I mean by that. So my son's nine now, right? Mm -hmm. He was two and a half and I was in my bathroom and I was about to get in the shower and he said, 
what happened to my daddy before my daddy? I said, what do you mean? Now, for context, here's what I'll tell you. During the coma time, I had a lot to do because I took care. He had like so many medications and a feeding tube and I have a newborn and I have two kids. and It just was a lot, right? So there would be times that I would sit him up in the bed and then fix his arms to hold a newborn who's awake because I have, I can't hold him all day. I have things to do. And so when he was very little um, and I have pictures of them sitting that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like three months holding him. And so, you know, as they get older, you can't do it anymore. Like at about five, six months, he couldn't hold him anymore because now he's reaching now, now he's like taking the oxygen off of him it's a lot happening but anyway so I give you that context because at two and a half why would you remember that mm-hmm. so when I say to you it's the gift that hasn't been opened yet I I'm not as wise as I would like to be but I'm wise enough to know that God's coming for that gift right mm-hmm son will open that one day he will understand that more at that moment that was I was too fresh off of the trauma to under be able to articulate anything for him and so I just said I don't know what you mean but I'm going to get in the shower and when I come out we can talk about it and I stayed in the shower forever and just fell to my knees and cried and just said hey God I don't have an answer for that I don't know what you want me to tell him I this is hard for me and all of that and then when I got out he never brought that up again and then when he was five um I gave him um my um his father's bible and his um wallet and I just I didn't give it to him like I would now at 10 I just was putting it in his room and he asked what was that box and so I showed him And he said, this is what I was talking about. And I said, okay. Now again, two and a half to five, that's so much time. And so all I can articulate to you is to say, that's a gift that God's going to give him and it'll be for him and he'll open it whenever, right? I think it'll be a message. And it'll be great for him. And that's the other reason, if you remember at the beginning of the episode, I said, he's our joy. Yes. Yeah, he's special in a, in a very special way. And it's moments like that, that um, I know that there is a special, there's something there. Like he has a certain awareness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because at three months, I mean, like, I don't remember first grade. So how could he remember that right? right three to six months right well they say that um children can remember a lot more than what we realize um up until age about six or seven mm-hmm. up until about six or seven and then they start forgetting all that yeah yeah so but what a precious memory for him to hold on to because if he could remember at two and then again at five every now and again even if he doesn't have like picture memories he'll have like that sense like that that memory sense it's like well I know what dad felt like because I was laying in his arms as a new year uh, as a newborn right 
right? That's yeah. beautiful, I think. I think it's a, I, that's why I call it a gift, right? I think that that's so special that God holds that for him. Yes. Yes, that's wonderful. Um, so when did finding your margin, when did that start happening? And then uh, what exactly is Sunday planning? What, what is all this? How can we help busy moms? So Sunday planning came about, again, when I said I um, got the divorce, the boys were three and five, I needed something to help me find um, my way um, to anchor me. And so I started um, then in, in 2018 is when it became a thing after I'd showed so many, shown it to so many women and how to do it. And so what it is, is on Sunday, you look at your own life and decide what five things can I do on Sunday that will help me find margin throughout my week. Now for this conversation, I'm going to tell you my five. I see clients, um, four days a week. So, then I plan all my outfits because if we're looking for margin, standing in your closet going, what am I going to wear today is the biggest time suck ever. Oh my God, yes. Right? Because if it's not the weather, it's the fact that you've gained or lost weight. It's the fact that now you're running behind. So I do that on Sunday. I just pick out five things. I don't necessarily say I'm going to wear this Monday or whatever, but I just pick out five things that I know I can wear. And then um, I plan the meals. And so by planning the meals, like we're not on any diet, we don't cook a bunch of chicken on Sunday for the eat all week, but it's just by writing down like meat, side, veggie, five times, four times based on the schedule, this is what we can have. And then I order groceries online from that list. And then I look at the schedule, the schedule in the outfits to me are the biggest game changers in finding margin because when I was a newly divorced mom, looking at the schedule was such a help to see who I needed help. Asking your resources for help on a Sunday for a Wednesday pickup or for a babysitter on Thursday is much better than Wednesday at 2.15 saying, can you get the kids? Or Thursday, you know, so that's when I began looking at the schedule and it still is amazing because I look at mine, then I look at my husband's, then we look at the teenagers and who's doing this and now we have drivers so it does let up a little, but when you don't, it's like, oh, well, we've got to be here, here and here. And so knowing ahead of time, you don't dread it as much. It's not as much of a chore and you can kind of plan your everything around it. And so that's a big one. And then I, um, I love social media. I like Instagram. I'm on there for business. And so I want to not let it define me or again, suck up all of my time. So I write all five of my captions on Sunday and put them in a scheduling app. And then it comes out every day. And then I don't have to worry about that. And it's not like a time suck for me or any of that. And that's four. And then the last one just varies, right? I look at my weeks and go, oh, it's been a minute since I've had some me time or since we've had a date night or what appointments do I need to make this week? Let me write all that down, things like that. So I do that every Sunday. I go through and do those things every Sunday and it just makes my week flow better. Um, and it just adds so much margin and time to my life because I have a 
plan. Okay. Can you give me an example of what it used to be like when, especially like when the boys were younger and you didn't have this, um, this organizational skill that you have now. So what would it look like back then compared to what it looks like the first like week that you started doing Sunday planning? Like how big of a difference did it make? I think some of the major differences is not taking the chicken out because we have no plan for dinner. And here we are at takeout again, or here we are at fast food again, or here we are, you know, frustrated trying to thaw chicken, right? Um, That's a big one. I only laugh because I I do that. (laughs) I do that all the time. I forgot to take out the meat. (laughs) Yeah, you're always, the protein is always frozen and you're always like, oh my gosh, right? But it's something about writing it down and having it, you know, on the fridge or on the counter where you can see it and go, as I'm making coffee, oh, let me go grab the pork loin because we're having that today, right? Or something like that. Let me take the ground beef out, things like that. And then the other one is in the morning with the outfits. See, that's a big deal because my boys do it, right? They know what they're gonna wear. So what moms despise the most about red ribbon week or these theme weeks at school is because it's at 7.15 when you have five seconds to get out the door that we're all all hands on deck to find the purple shirt, right? It's those things that drive you crazy. Whereas if you looked at the schedule ahead of time on Sunday, you would go, oh, okay. I need you to go find that purple shirt right now because you got to wear it on Wednesday, right? Um, and so that's, the outfits are good for me but they're also good for them, like teaching them to do that. Um, The schedule is good for me, but it's also good for them to say, why are you cramming for a test that you knew you had on Sunday, right? But then it's also for me, like, hey, I want y'all to know that this week I'm out. I have two lunch dinner meetings, so I won't be here and things like that. So when you come home for practice, here are the things you need to do. It's about better communication. It makes your household just run better versus, you know, who's picking him up? What time is that thing? Do we have to go to that? Oh my gosh, I don't want to go to that. Well, no, you don't want to go to anything that you're finding out about at five and you got to be there at six and you've been at work all day. So things like that. And then on the business side of it for social media, social media can be what you make it. And so what I've learned about that is if I am trying to articulate my business and what I do and why you should use me and why it's good and all of that on the morning that the dog ran away and we had to find him and it was raining and I had a client who didn't show up, all of that. And then I'm going to write a caption that's going to make you think I'm the best coach ever. No, it ain't happening. Right. That's not real. (laughs) So for all of those reasons, I try to add what means the most for me. And so that's why I give the example of what my five are. But we have over 300 women in the community. So everybody's five things could vary and be different. Some people may not have social. Some people may not have um, menu because maybe they're not the cook 
they're not the person who cooks and so it doesn't matter to them but what does matter is the schedule knowing where everybody is what does matter probably is the outfits because even if you're a stay-at-home mom it's a great thing to get dressed you really you feel better about yourself when you do that and so it's about being aware of how I can bring some margin into my days so that I can add some joy back into my life Okay. Yeah. So it's basically just organizing your thoughts, putting it on paper and having that communication with the rest of the family that can also um, join in on that schedule. And then I just, I just like the way that you said it's, it's better communication with everybody because it really is. Cause when you don't know what you're doing, everybody's like, in my example, um, I forgot to take out the chicken. Should we just order out again? You forgot to, and then it becomes a fight and an argument. Why didn't you do this? Well, why didn't you remind me? Well, why didn't, I? and you're right. If you write everything down, it takes care of the communication because it's right there. It's written right there. Yeah. And no one's asking like my, my, my least favorite question of the day after I've seen clients all day is what's for dinner. I just, I mean, it just, it's like grading on a chalkboard. I can't stand it. And so we've done it for years where you just write your five things down yourself and all of that. And then in 2019, we made a product for it. So we have a Sunday planning journal that is for women who really like to journal and it, you can write your five things down. There's a space for you to write notes, which, you know, could be space for your grocery list, space for your menu. But then it's also a way to guard your heart because we put a space in there for you to write 10 things you're grateful for and two things, two affirmations. Those are things, truths that you need to speak over yourself during the season. And so the journal part of it is great because you get to look back throughout the year and see what you're now grateful for and what things you're now speaking over your life. But the top seller is this weekly calendar notepad. And that's really where the family communication comes in because it can sit like on your kitchen counters where it is in our house. And I write the menu on there and People can add what they want from the grocery store because it has a section for grocery lists. And so a lot of moms really liked that one for that um, added thing. And it has um, days of the week. So you can write baseball practice at six. And so people can see the schedule visibly and know, oh, mom's not home tonight. That's why, you know, pizza is coming or mom's not home tonight. That's why it says hunger games. Cause that's what we write when you have to fend for yourself is the hunger games. <laughs> that's fine. So, yeah, so now there's a product that goes with it, but I products are only as good as the person who uses them. So you definitely can buy the product, but you definitely should just try to figure out what would work best for me in my five things. And you can, there's a highlight on my Instagram that says Sunday planning. So you can see what other people have put as their five. Sometimes that's not like, um, you trying to be like someone else's as much as it just kind of jogs your memory for, oh, that really would work for me, right? It's like you saying, oh yeah, the Mills thing would work for me because then I would see it and go, okay, let me do this while I'm making my coffee. Oh, I need to take the pork out or, oh, I need to take the ground turkey out. Those kind of things. Okay. So is this like, uh, it's a physical journal. Um, is it like a magnet journal? Is it just a journal that you just carry around or is it like specifically for the kitchen or how, how, tell me more about your program and how that would work. So Sunday planning has two products. One is a physical journal. Um, it's wire bound. It has 
um, 52 Sundays in there for you to write your Sunday plan. And then it has a notes page and a grateful page and all of that. So it's a physical journal that you would pull out on Sundays. Mine is on my nightstand. Then, uh, you know, there may be people who don't really like the journal aspect of it or like use it more of a planning tool. So then there is a notepad that's like the size of paper. It also has 55 sheets because you could tear it off because it's weekly. It has the days of the week at the top for you to write your schedule. It has a section for Sunday planning, a section for meals, and then a section for a grocery list. And that is what usually sits on the kitchen counter um, or wherever your like home hub station is because um, of the calendar aspect of it, right? People, mm-hmm. that's the top seller because people like writing the stuff in the days of the week for the calendar. Kids like being a part of the planning process for the groceries and saying, hey, we're out of Doritos or trash bags or things like that. It adds that level of communication to the house. Like if you took the last trash bag, this thing is right on the counter. You could simply write trash bags on here Mm -hmm. to help me out. So those are the two products that um, we have in our list of products. Now we have other, I'm a paper girl, so I love notebooks and regular journals and all of that, but that's the Sunday planning side of it. And then um, people can send a text and become a part of the Sunday planning community. And I send three texts out a week. One is definitely on Sundays where I remind you to Sunday plan and I give a pro tip for what that could look like. And then the other two are just for um, encouragement and motivation to create the life you love. Okay, all right. So. I think I saw something about a discount. Would you, do you have any like services that you would be able to do a discount or products or anything like that? Yes. So your listeners um, has a code and we will use motherhood as the code um, for 20% off anything in the store. And um, I, you have the website. So if you put it in your show notes, they could go to the website and I'll um, definitely put it on the show notes and then, and just motherhood is the code. So I'll definitely put that on on the show notes as well. Motherhood is the code. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. I'll definitely put that on the show notes. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up or talk about before we're done? No, I just want to say like, if you were walking, vacuuming, doing you know, all the things that we do when we listen to podcasts. And the biggest thing I want anybody to ever get when they come in contact with me is that this is your life. This is not at all a dress rehearsal. And I would just love it if you would just take an inventory of it and go, how, what's one thing, just one thing, not a bunch of things, just pick one thing you could do to begin to walk the journey of creating the life you love. It's worth it. You're worth it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Yes, you. If you did, share thank it with a so mom friend. This, um, and if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can Sunday rate and review on Apple Podcast. You can leave like, me a voicemail message on Anchor FM. Start, also, <laughs> make Sunday, sure to follow me really on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood really or Twitter at Mother Podcaster. To, um, thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood.
but you know three to five things that's easy that's easy for everybody to like okay it's not that much yeah it's not hard it's and it's what matters to you so they will come easier because it's what will really help you true True. Well, thank you so much, Ritha, for your time. Um, I'll definitely put everything on the show notes. Okay, great. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, share it with a mom friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can rate and review on Apple Podcast. You can leave me a voicemail message on Anchor FM. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood or Twitter at Mother Podcaster. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood.